Thank you for listening to our podcast today here at Word of Life. Our prayer is that when you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. We want to make sure you know all about our new online campus. Visit thelifeonline.cc to find our brand new platform where you can find short messages on topics like prophecy, forgiveness, healing, and so much more. Each month, we release multiple new series for you to be able to grow in the knowledge of God and the Bible. So check it out at thelifeonline.cc. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Uh, Turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Luke. Uh, We're going to look at Luke chapter 15 uh, in verse number 25 here. Uh, Jesus here is teaching a parable. We said last week a parable was a story Jesus would make up to to illustrate a spiritual truth. Uh, We said people forget facts, they remember stories. Uh, And so out of that, Jesus taught in stories a lot. And we said whenever you read a parable, uh, to always look for God in the story and and to always look for you in the story. And so we found God last week as a loving, gentle father. How many of you know God is a loving, gentle father? He is not an unjust judge. Uh, He is not someone who is looking to condemn you or hurt you. God is a loving, gentle father. And the prodigal, we found ourselves in him that so many times, right, in your life and mine, we're not perfect. Anybody not been perfect? (laughs) Anyone? Yes, uh, me too. Uh, He was not perfect. He had lived a life of sin. And this life of sin had made him feel like he was not worthy. Uh, Not worthy of love, not worthy of the Father, not worthy of being blessed. He had this sense of shame about him that made him think that from here on out, I'm going to have to prove to God and to everyone else that I can become worthy. And then once I prove it, they can give me whatever they want to give me. And the Bible says, and this may be my favorite part of like while I've been studying this, the Bible says while he was still a long way off. Uh, and that just gives me so much hope. Because you ever, have you ever felt like, like I'm going back to the Father, but I still feel a long way off. Uh, like a, a long way off from being the man I know I could be, or the husband or the father. A long way off from being um, the perfect spouse or parent or mom. The long way off from being a good leader. And I love how Jesus taught this parable. Because he said, while the son was still a long way off. The father came running to him. And how many of you know today, if you feel a long way off, the father is running to you and will embrace you and love you back to life. Uh, He's not judging you. He's coming to help you. And so we see uh, this story of how the prodigal had to allow himself to be loved again. And we said this last week. I think it's important to remember that you can't wait for everyone else to love you before you love yourself. Come on, somebody. You can't wait to forgive yourself until other people forgive you. Uh, that you can't control how they may feel about you, but you can control how you feel about you, and you can control how you believe God feels about you. And I'm telling you, God loves you, so we can walk away from that. But Jesus didn't end the story with that. He, he ended it with another person in the story. And today, just like we tried to see ourselves in the prodigal, what I would ask while we read this is to see ourselves in the older brother, Uh, And to to see, is Jesus talking to me with this story? So with that in mind, let's read it together. Luke chapter 15, and we'll read here in verse number 25. 
Now his older son was in the field, uh, so he had left home too, for an entirely different reason, but he had left home as well. The older son was not at home, the older son was in the field, and when he came, he approached the house, so he's not in it yet, but he's getting closer, he heard music and dancing, and he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be, and he said unto him, now notice the terminology, I've got this underlined, your brother, and this is important because of what's going to happen next, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in the house. And the father came out of the house, just like he came out for the prodigal, he's coming out for the older brother. His father came out of the house and began pleading with him. But he answered and said unto his father, look, for so many years I have been serving you and I have never neglected a command of yours and yet you have never given me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But notice, when this son of yours, (laughs) not uh, my brother, uh, you know, not my father, this son of yours comes Uh, To the house who devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you kill the fattened calf for him. And he said unto him, my son, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours. This brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. He was lost and he has been found. So much here. I'm like, literally, I told my wife last night, I'm like, I got too much material. Uh, But there are three central truths that I want to bring to your attention today, and especially the last one, I kind of want to meditate on for a bit, and then all of our campuses will sing, allow the Holy Spirit to uh, deal with our hearts, and then we can all come down to the altar for prayer. (laughs) So so out of this, there is so much here. The first thing that I want to lead with, my first point is this, fellowship with the Father, It's not found in keeping the rules, it's found in coming home. Fellowship with the Father is not found in keeping the rules, fellowship with the Father is found in coming home. Um, So you see both sons had left the house. And it's very interesting, they left for entirely different reasons, but both sons were out of the house and out of fellowship and intimacy with the father. Uh, For this series, I really looked at the artwork uh, from Rembrandt, uh, who painted uh, The Return of the Prodigal. And the more I looked at it, the more I saw it kind of uh, captured the imagery of what uh, Jesus is kind of um, trying to make our minds capture. And I just want to show you something. They'll put up the painting on the screens. Uh, So you can see um, the father and the prodigal The prodigal has come with his shame. Uh, He has come with his failure and fault. Notice he looks nothing like the father. Uh, Because of sin and sin's consequences, he has come to this place where his head is shaven, his clothes are torn, uh, his shoes have been on such a rugged journey, they are falling apart. Everything about his life um, is not only falling apart, none of it represents the father. And then on the other side of him, you have the elder son, and notice when he painted him uh, that he looks very similar to the father. 
Uh, He's dotted all his I's, he's crossed all his T's, he's kept all the works, he's got the same robe, he's got the same imagery, he's got the same face, like the same beard, the same hair, same everything. Uh, And so out of this, uh, I want you to see, he looks like the father, but yet he is not the one who is enjoying intimacy with the father. He is not the one being embraced, he is not the one being held, he is not the one being loved, he's not the one experiencing his goodness and his joy, he is is far away. And uh, he is very irritated in this, and I don't know if you've ever been very irritated on this, but his frustration is, uh, is I don't understand why this other uh, kid and son of yours, who has lived like he has lived, is experiencing this type of warmth and joy with you. I have kept all your rules. I have done everything that you told me to. Um, I I am doing uh, as good as I know to do. And uh, out of this, I am not walking with you in intimacy. And the point that Jesus here is trying to make is that intimacy is not found in our perfection nor is it lost with our imperfection. Um, That all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. That it is not by our works that we could be saved. Uh, It is not by our works um, that we could be justified. Uh, That if it was by our works, we could begin to boast. And if I could begin to boast about, look how much I forgive and look how much I tithe and look how much I'm in church, who becomes the hero of that story? I become the hero of the story. Uh, And religion will always make you the hero of the story. It'll focus on what you have done, and if you've done well, you get the praise, and if you've done bad, you get the shame. That's what religion will do, is look at you, you did well. Bravo, here's praise for you. And then when you do bad, it's like, shame on you. Uh, And like, I can't believe you would do that, and you get the shame. Uh, With Christianity, Uh, Jesus gets the praise at all times because each one of us know that when we are tempted to are tempted to judge those who have committed sin that they should be ashamed of that if we were to pull back the layers of our hearts all of us would have to drop our stones too because none of us are without sin and so what he's trying to show his elder son and he's trying to show us through telling this story Uh, is have you left the house for works? Um, In Luke chapter 15 and verse 25, check this out uh, on the screens. They'll throw it up there. Uh, Now his older son was in the field, and so the father came to him and said, come to the house. So just like the the elder son uh, was out of the house and the prodigal was out of the house, we see them both away from the father and away from the house. Uh, And so the father's heart is to do what? To get both of them in there. Both of them not just enjoying him, but enjoying the joy found in the house. But one had left the house for an entirely different reason. Uh, the, The prodigal left the house for sin. The elder son left the house for work. And maybe in your life you have been like the prodigal where you went through a season of manifold temptations and it just seemed like on every side of you, like for a lot of us this happens when we're younger, on every side of you there's this temptation to like leave church, leave God, not pray sin, you know, all these types of things in the world that just seem so attractive and they begin to pull us away from the Father. 
But what I've seen is for those of us who kind of become like professional Christians, uh, we, we, we lose uh, that, that kind of temptation to drift from the Father that way. And instead, we drift from the Father in a much more subtle way. We drift for work. That life begins to become so busy, that there's so much going on in the field that needs to be watched, that needs to be cared for, that needs it to be tended to, uh, that when we, we, we leave uh, to go check on those things, my life has become encaptured and enraptured by what is in the field versus what is in the Father's house. And I find myself getting tired and stressed and irritated because I'm more in the field than I am in the house. And the father has to come and plead with us. It's like, you can leave that work stuff alone. Come into the house and be with me. Uh, And what I have seen in my own life um, is whatever is obtained must be maintained. And over the course of 20 years, um, the strength to maintain something, I have honestly found has cost me more than even the strength to obtain it. The strength to maintain a marriage is often more than the strength to obtain a marriage. The strength to maintain a child is greater than the strength to obtain a child. Uh, The strength of maintaining a facility is often greater than the strength of obtaining it. And so we, we go to war and we fight for this life and we find our lives expanding and growing and we obtain But the more we obtain, the more we must maintain, and our our fellowship begins to drift from the Father because our focus is on the obtaining and the maintaining, and we're obtaining it more with this than we are with this. And our work has pulled us away from the Father's house, and the Father comes to us and says, would you drop the work and just come be intimate with me? Come and fellowship with me like the, the embrace is not found from your, your perfection. The embrace is found for those who come. Um, and what I've seen through scripture is this is the narrative. Like one of my favorites is Revelations 3 and verse 20. Uh, they'll put it up on the screens and it just says Jesus is looking and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone, I I love that, if anyone, the sinner, the saint, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come unto them and I will fellowship with them. I will sup with them and them with me. And so what he's trying to say is, is that in all of our lives, whether you're the prodigal and you've lived in sin or whether you're the elder brother and your life is now more sustained by your works than my grace, that in no matter who you are, I will come and I will knock on the door of your heart. And if you will come to that door and you will open it up and you will come and be with me, I will fellowship with you, I will embrace you, I will help you, I will love you back to life, I will bring you back into joy. Because don't you see here how the, 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 the elder brother was in this situation where his life was void of joy just like the prodigal's? That it was for an entirely different reason, but, but his life is just, just cracking at its seams and nothing is working the way it should because he has drifted from the embrace of the Father as well. The second thing I see in this story uh, is that someone else is getting what he has been desiring for no other reason than they came to the Father. Uh, and he's so vexed by this and frustrated by it that he says the following in Luke chapter tw- uh, 15 and verse number 29. 
He says, but he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I have been serving you and I have never neglected a command of yours and yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him and he doesn't even understand what he's saying but he's giving himself the answer. He's like, my whole life I have worked to obtain what you are freely giving. I wonder how many people are working for what they should be praying about. And he's in this situation where where he's like, I've got all these hopes and desires. And you you hear him verbalize what his desires were. Like, I, I, I want friends to come and see that a fatted calf has been killed for me. You, you see, like, and, and this is why the Bible is genius. And this is why it, it's got to be studied and not just read. He is pointing at something that's in people. He knows his children. He knows us. He says, I want to be seen as important in front of my friends. I, I want others to be able to look at me and to see the provision in my life. I want others to see that I have made it. I want others to... He didn't just ask for the fatted calf. He said, you never gave me the fatted calf in front of my friends. And he's at this place where he wants to be successful, and he, he's working to be it. Like, this is not just some vain desire that he's, he's not, not trying to get. Like, he, he wakes up every morning like clockwork to go get it. And so he's working hard and he's out there trying to obtain it and he's working hard to try to bring it into his life. And and you can see the vexation of his mind of trying to figure out how much harder do I have to work to get this into my life? And he's at this place where he's watching someone else and this whole story is a great story on direct comparison. He's watching someone else get it in their life, and he knows they have not worked near as hard as him to get it. And he's watching their life make progression, and he's watching their life be filled with joy, and he's watching their life be filled with all these things. And if you ever wonder if this is, could happen, like think about what our generation, and especially this young generation, is facing with social, me- social media. That we have this constant world where we can see the party of our, of our brothers and sisters and we can see their lives and they doctor it up with filters and like all these other things to make it seem like perfect children or whatever it may be. And like all these types of things and we're now seeing what they have in their life. It's like, do you know how hard I'm working on my marriage? Do you know how hard I'm, I'm working to like get my kids to just behave and like to like keep their, their shirt tucked in? Like all of these kinds of things. And so we have these moments where all of a sudden we find ourselves exactly like we talked about on Easter, where we are having a spirit of heaviness on us. And we are here and we feel weary and we feel tired and then we see other people walking in it so easily and that just makes it worse because we're here and it's like, I have worked so hard to get that in my life. And God is coming to us and he is saying, you gave yourself the answer. You have been in the field working and yet it still has not been producing the way you want it to. He came home. And when he came unto me, life opened up. The older son's accusation is, I wanted it and you didn't give it. God, I wanted it and you didn't give it. 
And the, the father's uh, response is, it's yours, you didn't ask for it. And, and I'll ask you again, like in your life, I know you're working for some things, like working for this level of income or working for this level of living or working to see this happen physically or working to see this happen in your marriage or in your relationships or with your kids, you're working to see it. And, and, and I think like this is just such an important question, like what am I working for that I should be asking for? And how could I come to this place where I humble myself under his mighty hand and I begin to surrender more of the things from my hands uh, into my prayers and I place it over in God's hands and allow him to be able to go to work in my life. Uh, for, For me, I noticed, like even when all of this at Lakeland was built, phase two, and this, you know, beautiful facility the Lord has given us and all these types of things that, like I said, I, I had so, focused so much on obtaining it that I didn't understand how um, uh, difficult it would be to maintain. And you're in this place where it's like staff is exploding. And like when I started, we have five people on staff, including myself. Now we have 82 and to create systems of pay and management and like all of these other types of things and then to watch their health spiritually and mentally and, and then like all of these other things. And I got to this place where I'm like, I could feel it. Like I could feel the pressure of it. And I noticed something was escaping my life. It was joy. And on the outside, like the, the elder son in the, the, the picture, like it, it was looking more and more like what I thought the father wanted it to look like. Like in the outward, it was, you know, the church just growing more than it ever grown before and like all of these things were, were coming and, and happening but on the inside like I'm, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not at the party and like I, I'm not seeing like this joy like come from my life the way I know it should and so I went to the Lord and you know not even about that I was coming to the end of the year of 2018 and I came to the Lord at the end of 2018 and I'm like God what do you want me to do in 2019 what's the focus you want me to take and I'd read this book called anything and I'm like God I'll give you anything whatever you want from me I'll give you anything and that was kind of the basis of the prayer and you know what he asked for he asked for my mornings He's like, Joel, you need me now more than ever. And he didn't use this example, but now when I read it, like I see myself in the elder son much more than I see myself in the prodigal. That like I can go into the fields all day long and think about how I can make this what I feel like God wants it to be and have meetings about it and put my hand towards it and go out there and, and set things up and have lunches and meetings with the city and like all these other things that my hand could be on. But all the while, while I'm in the fields working to produce fruit, I, I, I wonder sometimes if the father is coming and pleading with me to come back into the house. And maybe for some of you today, like God was asking for my mornings and I began to give him that and I began to see the joy of the father's house come back in. And then I saw his hand add things that my hand could never add. And then in 2020, at the end of 2019, going into 2020, I I told the Lord, I'm like, okay, again, anything, God. And he's like, I want you to pray with your staff. Uh, that I want you to spend more time in corporate prayer and praying for the church and praying with them. Uh, it's time to stop just hitting the rock and it's time to start speaking to it.
Once again, what's that type of shadow of? Leaving the field to come to the Father. To surrender more of your life into prayer. And and here, what, what God is saying here, and Jesus is talking about all of us in humanity. He's like, do you see both sons drifted? One for sin, but the other for work. And, and one, the one who was in sin, saw the need to come into my house without me even having to compel him to. But those who were involved in work, I had to plead with them. Would you please come into fellowship with me and watch what I can do for you if you do? You will feel my embrace, but you will also see the movement of my hand. The third thing that I see from this, and I'll close with this, and when I say I'll close with this, I mean this is my last point of which I'll begin to close. (laughs) Point number three, joy and resentment cannot coexist. There is no judgment in paradise. Joy and resentment cannot coexist. There is no uh, judgment in paradise. All judgment must be done before paradise. Because judgment is not in paradise. Joy and resentment cannot coexist. You can't have one without the other. Uh, Let's pull up this image again, uh, the painting of Rembrandt. And notice, uh, the outward exterior of the father and the elder son looks so very similar. Uh, that you see one has so modeled the other. He's walked with the father long enough, lived with the father long enough to dress like him, to, to have a beard like him, to have adornment like him. But do you see where he looks so similar to him on the exterior? On the interior, his heart was so different than the heart of his father. That his father is having this warm embrace of this person, a brother of his, who had missed it whose life had been riddled with mistakes and faults and failures, his father is embracing him. And the older son who looks a lot like his father, his heart is so removed from the heart of the father that he is standing above him, looking down on him. Where his father has open arms to embrace and to heal someone who has missed it and someone who has fallen someone who is hurting, and someone who is bruised. The older brother's hands are clasped. And he's just looking down at someone. And he sees himself as so much better than him. And he doesn't realize it. But his heart has drifted from the heart of the father. And his resentment is killing his own joy. And his intimacy with the Father has never been more distant and never been more cold. And I'm, I'm going to ask a question today, and I ask it because I love you and I want to pastor you. I, I, I ask this question to challenge you. I ask this question honestly to lead you back to the Father's house because for the elder son, he had to plead. And so I plead with you to come back to Father and come back to his house. Here's a question I want to ask you. It's a challenging question. Who here lately, who here lately have you been looking down on? 
hands clasped. What was the wording of the, 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 the elder son? He went out and did this, and I, they should do this, and I, they shouldn't do that with their money. They should use their money like I handle my money. They shouldn't do that with their time. They should handle their time the way, they shouldn't do that in their marriage. Their marriage should look like mine. They shouldn't do that with their kids. They should do, well, you know, what we do with ours. Um, they shouldn't do that with their weekends. They should do what we are. They, they shouldn't do that. Like, who have I been looking down on? And whenever I find myself in that position, and I found myself there, you may find yourself there tomorrow or today or 10 years ago, but when you find yourself there, you have to understand that you wrestle not against flesh and blood. And throughout the course of this life, you are going to see people disappoint you, people walk away from the Father, people walk away from you. You're going to see people demonstrate their worst selves. Even Jesus had people who walked with him intimately and saw all of his miracles and still betrayed him, sold him for 30 pieces of silver, walked away from him. And it would be so easy to find ourselves in the position of the judge and the accuser to say, can you believe that? Peter, walking with him for all those years, and he leaves the fire, runs away, weeping bitterly because he's unhappy too, because like the prodigal, he's just run from the father's house, and he's feeling like he's unworthy. Can you imagine some of the conversations when they saw this man who they knew to be a follower of Jesus, and he's denying it, and they're seeing his sin play out, and then they don't, what they don't see is the shame in the back, where he's weeping so bitterly, and thinking he's not worthy of anything from God? Can you imagine some of the conversations around? Can you believe it? Peter. I would have never. And the whole time someone else's sin has now made me sin. Their sin of the flesh has made me sin in the heart. And the consequence of all sin is to always drift us from the Father. And here's what I have seen. If Satan can't tempt you with, with sin to make you leave the Father's house, he will tempt you with someone else's sin to make you leave the Father's house. If he cannot pull on your heart with temptation to make you leave, he will show you an example of someone who has, someone who's not living right, someone who's not doing the right thing, someone who's not dotting all the I's, crossing all the T's, and to make you turn into their accuser. And you know why he wants to make you their accuser? One, because he hates our heavenly father. And he knows nothing hurts the father more than getting the father's kids out of the house. And so if he can't lure you with sin, he will lure you with the judgment of someone else's where you find yourself looking down on them. But the second thing is, is Satan has no heaven in his life and has no heaven in his future. And so he will do whatever he can to steal your heaven on earth if he can't steal your heaven in eternity. And so how does he do it? Well, it's like, oh, they won't fall for that. Let me show them someone who missed it. A brother, a mother, a father. Let me show them a friend, a neighbor, a coworker. Let me show them someone who missed it. And let me have them at a place where just like Cain is looking down at Abel and like, now I'll stand higher than you. And just like this elder son is looking at the prodigal, looking down on him, 
that we begin to look down on someone else and while the outside looks like the Father, the inside is drifting from him and his house. And so today, what I ask is that we just, at all of our services, we just have a moment of worship and a moment of purifying. And that we just come back to this moment of saying, God, you know what? I'm going to invite you into my life like never before. I'm going to leave the fields to come home. I'm going to make a decision to just come to you in prayer more and to make prayer a central part of my life so that I feel your embrace, but also I see your hand. And Father, if there's anything in my life that's been critical or judgmental of someone else, Father, let let not just my Sunday attendance mirror you, but Father, let my heart mirror you as well, that when I see people miss it, I'm interested in their healing. When I see people not live up to my expectations, I'm praying for them to come home. When I'm seeing people who are, are just so drifting from the Father's house, I'm asking for the Father to like send me out so that I can go get them and bring them back to the Father's house. I'm not going to be an accuser of their brethren like Satan. I'm going to be a lover of the sinner like God. And through the goodness of God, people are drawn back to repentance. Let me be interested in their healing. Let me be interested in their forgiveness. Let me be interested in their soul. And even if they're living dangerously enough that I cannot live in that type of situation, I can still pray for them. I can still love them. I can still forgive them. And I can still come home even myself. And so at all of our campuses, let's stand to our feet. And let's end with song and worship today. And let's go to him in prayer. Father, we come before you today and we just thank you. We're coming home, Father, each and every one of us. We're coming home to you. We're coming home to your hands. We're coming down home to your presence. And Father, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus that each one of us make a decision to live a life a prayer and worship, that we make a decision to live a life of forgiveness, that we will drop the judgment of others and that we will allow them to find peace with you. But Father, we thank you that we come into a place where we find peace and joy again. Father, like the psalmist prayed, renew a right spirit within me, Father. Let me have a contrite and a clean heart. Let me, let me mirror your power and mirror your grace. That, Father, just as you forgave people because you knew they didn't know what they were doing, Father, we thank you that you give us the strength to forgive people, to pray for those even who have hurt us and wounded us. Father, we thank you. We have the courage to release them into your hands and to come home into your presence. Father, we love you today and we thank you at all of our campuses as we worship that your Holy Spirit would fill that place and allow us to have a moment with you that cleans our hearts and strengthens our life to live out this word. We love you, Father. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord today.